Hey everybody, I'm Beth Davis and welcome to Teachable Tuesday where we discover God's heart and are changed by his word. Today is the fourth and final part of our series called Heart Check. But just like the other talks in the series, um, you could join us today having not seen any of them and the Lord has something beautiful to say to you. I mean, I do hope that you go back and <laughs> listen to all the parts of the series. It's one of my favorites. But if not, you are very welcome here, dear heart, wherever you're coming from. I'm so glad you're here. So grab a Bible. We're going to get in the Word together. Uh, we are planted in Proverbs 4.23 for this series, Heart Check. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for bringing us here today. We want to be changed, Lord. We want to see you. Open our eyes, open our hearts to encounter you in your word. Thank you, Lord. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So for more than 10 years, I lived in Flagstaff. It's a, a small college town, uh, a mountain town sitting at about 7,000 feet up in northern Arizona. It's home to a great little college called NAU, shout out Catholic Jacks, and also a ski resort called Snowball. That's right, <laughs> there is skiing in Arizona because there's snow in Arizona, sometimes a lot of it. And toward the end of those 10 years of my time up north, I lived in the country. I lived um, out of the bustling downtown area in one of the sprawling suburbs on the way to that ski resort. Now. When we got snow, sometimes five or six feet, it just dumped on us. I would get snowed in for days. And not just like there's no school, really fun. Like I couldn't, I couldn't leave my house because the city wasn't responsible for plowing the dirt roads. We were outside of the city limits. So I'd have to wait for uh, a day, sometimes days, for my very generous <laughs> and gracious neighbors to come with their vehicles, their off-road vehicles, or their snowmobiles, their ATVs to come and plow my very long and winding dirt road. I mean, I was surrounded by these beautiful properties with a lot of land. They had horses. It was this beautiful, precious, quiet country house outside of the city. Now, I didn't love being trapped indoors, right? I didn't love the rush at the grocery store before a big snow. I didn't love the icy roads that would follow after the snow, but I loved the blanket of glittering white snow after a fresh snowfall. I loved the pristine quiet of freshly fallen snow, the brilliant light reflecting off of it, especially in the morning. And I remember standing outside on the porch in the early morning and seeing nothing but white, white houses, <laughs> white trees, uh, 
just white, white mountains before any cars or plows came through and muddied it up. Everywhere you looked was pure, sparkling white. Maybe it looks like that where you are right now. Now that I'm in Phoenix, I very much miss it. But have you ever seen a landscape like that? Something a pure and untouched, undiluted by anything dark or dirty. Do you know that kind of snowfall, that kind of brilliant, glittering light and white? Something in me, I think something in us, is drawn to the purity of those scenes and moments. We want them to last forever. I found myself standing on that porch in the early morning, barely breathing, but at the same time taking a deep breath. I, I didn't want to disturb the perfection of that glorious, almost sacred moment. Have you ever felt that way? In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, Jesus preaches his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And it begins in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. I want to point you to verse 8 today. Jesus says something incredible. He says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And friends, I want that. I want to see God. And I am pretty sure <laughs> that's what you want too, or you wouldn't be here. That's what the, the purity and the perfection of that snow-covered morning was all about in me, what it was awakening in me, this desire for something greater, something more beautiful than any beauty I'd ever laid my eyes on before. In short, it stirred a desire in me for something eternal. And we all have these, I think, often dormant desires that at moments like, like that where beauty or, or love stirs us up, our hearts are reawakened. There's a longing, a desire for something good, something true, something beautiful, something that lasts. And I think that's why you're here. I think that's why you're a Christian. You're in touch with that deepest desire for the eternal. Or maybe you don't know why you're here or how you got here. Maybe autoplay just turned on this video on YouTube or perhaps someone sent it to you. But no matter how you got here, I want to tell you the truth in all tenderness that this is the deepest desire of your heart too. You desire God. Even if you're not aware of God by his name, that these moments, this longing that, that comes up in us sometimes unexpectedly, sometimes painfully in the purity of that moment, the, the intensity or the strength of that desire for something better, something more, it catches us by surprise or it takes our breath away. Now, how do I know that you want to see, to know God? Maybe you don't have a relationship with him at all, or maybe the relationship that you do have with God is strained, or you perceive that he's distant, but friend, do you want to be happy? I think that you do. Do you want to live a life of purpose? We all do. 
Do you uh, want to understand the meaning of your life that, that's such a, a driving force for all human beings? Do you want to be loved? And I, I know, I believe that the answer to all of those questions is yes, that you want to be happy, that you want to live with purpose, that you want to understand the meaning of your life, that you want to be loved, that these are the deepest, sometimes dormant desires of your heart. And sometimes they come out in kind of wacky or sideways ways, but still they're there in the depths of us. And can I tell you, the ultimate fulfillment of every one of those good and beautiful desires can be found in God. They are pointing to your desire for God because you were made for God, made for union with God, made for eternal union with God. Those desires are all evidence of your ultimate longing. And you're called to be with God and to be like God. This isn't just for Christians. This isn't just for people who believe in God. This is true of every single human being alive on planet Earth. We were made for God and God is calling us back to himself through our desires. Now, in order to do that, in order to see God, to know God, to ultimately become like God, that's the goal of the spiritual life, is that we would become like God. Jesus says that we have to have a pure heart. Some years ago, I was praying with my favorite gospel. There's a, a gospel. Every, every time I think about it, my, my eyes well with tears. I, I identify with it. I feel it so deeply. And a dear priest friend of mine met with me and, and he asked these deep and, and probing questions about what drew me to the scene. Uh, this is a beautiful exercise if you've got a gospel like this, your gospel. But after much prayer, many tears, I realized that this miracle of healing and deliverance that that I felt so connected to. And really every moment that came before or after in the life and ministry of Jesus, what drew me to Jesus, the quality that most captures my heart about Jesus is purity. It's an unpopular word, I know, but if you can, gently put aside the, the Christianese for a moment. If you grew up in the youth group, like I did, that culture, or were formed by what we call purity culture, that word may come with a lot of baggage for you. You might feel a lot of shame about the word pure or purity, and you might be thinking of it only in regards to uh, your sexuality or your sexual past or sexual sin. You may have a strong aversion to the word for that reason, but can I tell you what I mean when I say purity, when I talk about the purity of Jesus. When I, when I meditate on what most deeply attracts me and moves me about the person of Jesus, it uh, has nothing and everything to do with sexuality, really. That is the, the purity of his love, the purity of his heart. You see, there's not an ounce of condemnation in Jesus's tone. There's no bite in his humor. He doesn't hold anything against me 
or bring up my past. There's no hidden agenda or false motivation in our interaction and in our conversation. You know you can feel that with people. They're trying to get at you. They're, they're trying to work an angle. There's none of that with Jesus. It's just love. He leads with love because he is love. That's purity. What you're perceiving in those intimate and tender, almost painful moments of being seen and known and loved as you are in your circumstances, in the now, that's what you're experiencing, the purity of his love. Jesus is more gentle and reverent with my wounds than I am. I dismiss, I, I diminish, I, I try to muscle my way through it, but the Lord is so attentive, so careful, so honoring of my wounds and yours. He never withdraws from my cries when I'm, I'm sometimes disgusted by my own neediness or, or my sin, right? I judge myself, but Jesus never withdraws, never pulls back. I'm never too much for him. He simultaneously consoles me in the pain of my sin and calls me higher. When he looks at me, he sees me in him. He sees who I'm becoming, who he's calling me to be and who I will become by his grace with his help. And he is mercifully patient, perseveringly, unendingly patient, not biding his time patient, but, but it, it's, it's a quality of this pure love of Jesus. He sees it through his love is pure. His love for me is pure. His love for you is pure. It's unadulterated. It's undiluted. It's real. It's substantial. It's weighty. It's unchanging. It's eternal. It's the truest thing about our lives here on earth is the reality of God and the purity of his love. It lasts forever. He lasts forever. His love is eternal and inexhaustible for you. And the more I'm exposed to this love, the more I experience the pure heart of Jesus, the purity of his personal, merciful, unending, inexhaustible love for me, the more I know what love actually is. And the, it changes the way that I love. He's teaching me how to love by loving me. Have you experienced this in your own relationship with God? That as you draw near to him, as you receive this love, it's almost unbelievable. We've never experienced anything like it or maybe only glimpses or certain relationships, moments where we can, we're, we're struck by the purity. It cuts to the heart. It cuts to the soul. And yet this is how Jesus loves all the time. And because we receive, as we expose ourselves to this love, we become love. We become people of love. We become like him in love. We learn to love by being loved by him. And this is the love that our hearts crave. When we drink deeply of this love, it's what begins to pour out into us. Remember our anchoring verse, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. That's what 
the author of Proverbs 4.23 is urging us to do. Now, for the past few weeks, we've been praying about our hearts, right? We uh, learned to cherish our own hearts as precious and valuable, worth protecting. We noticed how our hearts are currently being nourished or gorging on things uh, that we're, we're looking for to become satisfied, to finally scratch the itch, to be that ultimate fulfillment, but aren't actually the things that we're really hungry for. We, we begin to fast, come around this idea of making room for what truly fills and satisfies us. And last week we were examining the fruit of our words as they reveal the state of our hearts. This week, I want you to come closer to Jesus, come closer to realizing those deepest desires of your heart for happiness, for purpose, for meaning, for love. By God's grace, I want you to pursue a pure heart. I want this to become a, a, the goal, the standard of your life, a pure heart by God's grace so that you can see God and become like him. You are made in his image. You're being restored day by day, glory to glory in his likeness. And the primary place that that transformation happens is in the heart. Now, in the words of Proverbs, how do we do this? We guard our hearts. How do we become like God? We are vigilant to keep watch on our hearts. And considering the words of Jesus in the Beatitudes, that means our eyes too, right? So what do I want you to do? How, how do we move forward this Advent and into a new year? Well, I wanna give you something for your heart and something for your eyes. When it comes to the heart, I want to urge you to go to confession. And not just your Advent obligation, right, to go one time. I want to urge you to make confession a part of your spiritual discipline. To urge you to make a regular confession, to write it in your planner, your Blessed Is She planner, to make a date with Jesus, to receive his grace, to receive his healing mercy and love in the sacrament of confession, not once or twice a year. I want you to make a regular confession, a commitment to a regular confession. You see, it's sin that muddies up our sight and our hearts. It prevents us from seeing ourselves as we are, God as he is, and loving like he does. It's, it's sin that disturbs that pristine white of the glittering snow, right? It's the plow that comes through and makes everything muddy and dingy and yucky. So the remedy here is confession and regularly. These are the words of, uh, of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand 
the throne of God. Now, I know that's a, that's a lengthy uh, bit of scripture. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, just two verses. But do, do you hear... Um, do you hear that that exhortation, that encouragement to lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely? Sin that clings closely. We want to put it off. And that doesn't happen once or twice a year. I, I'm not only talking about mortal sins, although if you have mortal sin on your soul, on your conscience, it's it's weighing you down. It's it's darkening your heart and your mind. It, it's, it's sapping the life from you. Please, please, I beg of you and I, I pray that you will go and receive the merciful love of Jesus, the healing and forgiveness of Jesus in the sacrament of confession. But as I said last week, this is true too. <laughs> this is true too of um, venial sins. We want to get rid of every weight, lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. So go regularly. Make a commitment to go regularly. And finally, I, I want to give you something for your eyes. Your eyes. Do you remember that show, Friday Night Lights? I used to love that show. It's about this football team in Texas, this high school football team. I'm really underselling it here. <laughs> Although I don't really want you to watch it because... Who needs Netflix, you know? Um, but this coach, the team, they had this saying before they would go out. It was a rallying cry. They would say, clear eyes, full hearts, and the team would re respond, can't lose, right? It was very intense. You, I have chills just saying that to you right now. Like, it's so moving, right? It's a battle cry. And I want to propose to you a, a different battle cry, but, but similar in heart and intensity, I want to say to you today, healed eyes, pure hearts can't lose. Healed eyes, pure hearts can't lose. How do we heal our, our eyes? Well, again and again, inscription, in Scripture, there's a clear connection between eyes and heart, right? So we have to examine what we're looking at. The same way, way last week we discovered and examined what, what we were... Um, what we were talking about. We examined the fruit of our words. I want you to pay attention to what you're looking at and to give your eyes some rest. Give them time to heal. I want you to look instead to Jesus. Th those are the words in, in Hebrews 12, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter, the pioneer and perfecter of our, our faith. I want you to look at him, not only interiorly in your inner room, but I want you to look at him in Eucharistic adoration, to actually turn your eyes upon Jesus. You can look at him in the flesh. You can, you can see the purity of his love in the purity of that little white host. You can receive the purity of his love, his sacred, pure, masculine heart beating for you, loving you, in Eucharistic adoration. Now, I want you, of course, to consider giving up Netflix or fasting from it, or maybe it's social media, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna prescribe anything for the healing of your eyes. What I want instead is for you to spend time in Eucharistic adoration. I want you to spend time before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and ask him about the health of your eyes. Ask him what he wants to do to heal your eyes, how, He's going to heal your eyes. And, and I ask you to be obedient to what he 
um, requests of you, what, to what he prescribes for you. Because this is what I want for you. I want you to see God. I want you to have a pure heart. I want you to experience again and again a deep, deep encounter with his pure and perfect love for you. We're going to move into a time of Eucharistic adoration, but I pray that you would take it offline, not only this virtual adoration that we're about to enter into, into his presence, bringing that question in particular about the health of your eyes, but also into Eucharistic adoration. We're moving into sacred days in preparation for Christmas. And I want to implore you to go and to be before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, whether that's in your church before a tabernacle, even if the, um, the Blessed Sacrament is not exposed, or if you can find a Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, to go in person, to go in the flesh, so that Jesus might heal your eyes and give you a pure heart. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for, for unlocking this mystery, for all of the connections being made, for the freedom that you're pouring out even now. Jesus, thank you for your words connecting the eyes and the heart. We want healed, clear eyes, Jesus, because we want to see you, not only in prayer, first and foremost, Jesus, we want to see you. We want to see you hidden beneath the veil of bread and wine. We want to see with the eyes of faith. We want to see you in others, see you at work in our daily lives. We want to see you, Jesus, and to do that, we need a pure heart. To grant us the grace, Lord, we can't do this on our own. Purify our hearts, Jesus. Heal our eyes. We pray this in your holy and precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow, I have loved this series and friend, I I love your heart. But you know, you know what? That's nothing compared to the way that Jesus loves and honors and treasures your heart. So go and see him and I'll see you in the new year for a brand new series. God bless you friends. See you later. Bye.